Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, TTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen. Welcome, everyone. This is Maria. Hey, everyone. It's Jocelyn. We're back again. Maria, I am so excited that it's finally springtime in Massachusetts, let me tell you. Yes, absolutely. Today, it seemed like everybody was driving. Windows down. Yes. Yes. Those driving songs that we wait for this time of year. Absolutely. I'm feeling good. Well, when I was driving in, I heard Mercy, Mercy Me on the phone, which is one of my favorite songs. So that was... That was a good vibe. To good, good vibes yes, today. Yes, vibe I agree. Today. I agree. So a recent survey revealed that 80% of employees consider emotional intelligence crucial to workplace success, but so many business leaders struggle with where to start and how to foster emotional intelligence in the workplace. With so many organizations recognizing the importance and value of EI, they're left with the question, where do we begin? In this episode, we answer those questions and learn from an expert how to help leaders and teams become more emotionally intelligent with our expert, Themum Crawford. Themum is an accomplished hands-on learning and development consultant with deep practical experience in varied workplace environments. She has the unique ability to expand facilitation on topics into related principles, concepts, and theories while building an open and comfortable learning environment. Welcome, Themum. Thank you, Maria. It's a pleasure being here today. Just really looking forward to this. And that song, Mercy, Mercy Me, oh my goodness, you don't know, I am a singer too. I do sing. I saw you jamming, I I got into my zone, yes. I did, I saw it. I love it. Absolutely. Love, 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 Thema. We're so excited to have you here today. I mean, we were talking before we got started here officially, and we are just so grateful for your partnership with TTA. You are an amazing training resource and provide such insightful classes for our talent, for our customers, and I'm sure for you know people just nationally for all the things that you're doing and delivering. So we're excited to talk to you about all of your experience. Can you tell us like what got you into this field? Like, how did it all start and how has it evolved? Because I mean, even in the years that we've known you, you've taken quite a journey with us. So let's talk about it. Sure. Well, once upon a time in a land far, far away, (laughs) almost feels like it has been a very long time, approximately 30 years ago, really, I participated in a very intense diversity and inclusion session at my former employer, which is in the deep south. I was mesmerized. When I attended the session, I was mesmerized by the facilitator, who, by the way, now is my mentor. He was able to captivate the audience, and he skillfully raised our consciousness of diversity and inclusion, and he helped us to recognize our biases, even though we didn't know it was called biases back in the day. But I've never experienced such a training session like that, and it opened my mind. It touched my heart and it spurred me to action. I wanted to do something. Once I left that session, I said, okay, what can I do? I wanted to do something because I want to help bring people together, regardless of who we are, what our differences are, or even our life experiences. So I started, started working. I started reading a lot about diversity and race relations and biases. And I, I attended 
seminars and watched videos. I was hooked. That's what it was. I would just got hooked. So shortly after that, I was selected as one of 15 people who went through a two-month intense, very intensive introspection training program. I learned so much about myself, so much that it blew my own mind about myself. So, And sometime later, the company gave me an opportunity to travel the United States facilitating diversity and inclusion sessions. And I witnessed, at that point, I witnessed how those sessions opened the hearts and minds of my colleagues. It touched people's lives in a way that has made a lasting impression on those who experienced it. And during those days, it was, these sessions were like five days in a row with the same group of people. Yes, we covered a lot during that time. Unlike today, where companies sometimes can't allow employees to be away from their jobs for such an extended period of time. And not to mention the attention span of most people. And, you know, they have a much shorter attention span now. But I'm still hooked. You know, so that's where my journey began. I love that story. One in 15 people. That's That's outstanding. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the, the intensive program that you attended? Like, what was that like? And what were some of the things that you learned? Well, I, it, oh, wow. That's a, that's a million dollar question because it's <laughs> so much, you know, I, I, it was, it was based on those things that we do that we are not, we don't realize that we're doing things that we say, we don't realize what we're saying and how it can impact someone and create barriers for us for effective communication. So I, I learned that I had some stereotypes about people and I was like, really me? I couldn't believe that. Well, once we went through the session and there, there were some one-on-one interactions where people will call you out on things that they remember you saying on things that you're doing. So once I start realizing that I, I harbor some of these things as well, those are things I just want to stop. I want to squash those. But what I start to do is I said, let me put my stereotypes in front of me so that I can manage them rather than them managing me. Because once they start managing me, I might do something or say something that can hurt someone's feelings or very inappropriate. And then I've got to backtrack and, and apologize for some of those things. So I wanted to better myself. And so those, that's just a snippet of some of the things, but very, very intense, like a two month, you know, training program. Mm-hmm. Yes. And eye-opening, like you said. Very so eye-opening. Yeah. Very yeah, eye-opening. That's incredible. Yes. Does that program still exist? It does not. It does not. Just mm-hmm. some some portions of it, but the organization, like I said, organizations don't allow employees to be away for that long a period of time. So now it, it went from me facilitating five sessions, I mean, five days to three days to one day to a couple of hours. So it's just like, it, it's just kept, you know, just being so much smaller. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's many different definitions for emotional intelligence for our audience. Can you tell us what you believe emotional intelligence is and why it's so important for leaders and teams in the workplace? Sure. Let me start with the theory of emotional intelligence. It was introduced in the early nineties by psychologists, Salovey and Mayer. But in 1995, Dr. Daniel Goldman, he connected the theory with business leadership, and he popularized the term emotional intelligence in his famous book called Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. So emotional intelligence is just the ability to recognize, to understand, and manage our own emotions 
while at the same time recognizing how our emotions influence other people's emotions. It's about how well we perceive and express ourselves, how we develop and maintain social relationships, and how we cope with challenges. So in the workplace, it's the ability of leaders and managers, because that's one of the things you were talking about, Maria, leaders and managers, what can they do? Well, it's the ability to recognize their emotions and those of their coworkers or employees, and then discern between different feelings so that when situations arise, everyone can adjust their own emotions and look at how they react to those emotions so that everyone can achieve their goals effectively. So now leaders and managers though, when they embody high emotional intelligence skills, they communicate their visions more effectively. They know how to manage their emotions and their behaviors at work. They create that safe work environment for employees to share ideas and give feedback, which also leads to high morale and employee engagement and job satisfaction. You know, they manage workplace stress and conflict carefully and they teach their team members to do the same. So that's why it's so important for leaders to have these skills in the workplace. So you recently conducted a session for us in our Emerging Leadership Series. In that session, you discussed the four fundamental competencies of emotional intelligence. Can you explain that to the audience? Yes. Well, I talked about Dr. Goldman earlier, and according to him, there, there, there are five uh, key components, and I'll, I'll actually talk about four of those, but I'll share that fifth one that he talked about a little later in his, in his book of emotional intelligence, and these are useful skills that can improve leadership effectiveness at work. They are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. The self-awareness is about what I know about myself. And this is considered actually the foundation for all the other competencies of emotional intelligence. So self-awareness means being aware of what you are feeling, being conscious of the emotions within yourself. And people who are self-aware, they don't let their feelings rule them. They are confident because they trust their intuitions and they don't let their emotions get out of control. They're also willing to take an honest look at themselves because they know what their strengths and weaknesses are. And they often work on these areas so that they can perform better, which leads to self-management, which is about what I do to manage myself. It's the ability to control or redirect our disruptive impulses and moods, the propensity to suspend judgment and think before we act. Sometimes we act before we think. But if we use our self-management skills, we can, we can do more thinking before we act. So people who self-manage, they typically don't allow themselves to become too angry or jealous. They don't make impulsive or careless decisions. And in cases of intense and stressful situations, people who have strong self-management skills, they can pause. They take a deep breath, and this helps them to remain calm. Now, social awareness, which is the third one, it's about what I know about others. So the first two is about myself. Then the last two is what I know about others. Treating people accordingly to to other person's emotional reactions, meaning the ability to demonstrate empathy. These are your team players. 
people who have social awareness, they are your team players because they, rather than focus on their own successes, they help others develop and shine. They are the ones you want to manage any disputes that you have in the workplace because they are excellent communicators and they are masters at building and, re- and maintaining relationships. They have that unique ability to accurately pick up on emotions of other people and understand what's really going on with them, which means that what they do is they stop talking, they listen, and they don't try to anticipate someone's answer before they speak. So then finally is relationship management. This is about what do I do to inspire and encourage others? The ability to connect with others and build those positive relationships and respond to the emotions of others and influence others on the team. These people have effective interpersonal communications. They are the ones that can get the best out of others and inspire and influence others, help them to change, help them to grow and develop as well as resolve conflict. So a person in this area understand and realizes the value of building relationships, even when they don't get along with someone. So then the last one is motivation. Now, motivation, according to Goldman, is what pushes us to achieve our goals. We feel more fulfilled in improving overall quality of life. So great leaders understand that they are internal motivators and are motivated by that they're motivated by strong intrinsic values more than the, than bonuses and salary increases and perks they communicate their motivation clearly and often to their team and employees so these are the four components that we talk about in emotional intelligence but simply it's about what i know about myself how i manage myself what i know about others and how can i inspire and encourage others that was a great summary Incredible summary and like eye-opening. There were so many things that I connected to. I was like taking notes. Now, (laughs) how do you, I understand that this is, these are like four components of emotional intelligence, right? But we also kind of compartmentalize them in order to identify what they were exactly. So something that resonated with me was like, you know, people who have social awareness. Like this is something that makes a really great team player, somebody that manages others well. So like if you're in an organization and you're trying to identify those highly emotional or those emotionally intelligent, I'll say it that way, people in order to develop them as leaders, like what are you looking for in order to identify that? How do you figure out who those people are and, and what strengths they have in those areas? Well, you could ask a series of questions, some of those open-ended questions. How, how do you get along with people? What are some of the, the things that you look for in others? How do you build relationships and have them talk through the, the steps, the approach that they take in getting to know one another? Uh, sometimes in, in, with social awareness, it could be those connections that we make with one another. How do you connect with one another? Do you, how do you what does it what when you say you're going to listen to someone what does that look like how do you listen do you listen just only with your ears or do you listen also with your heart so things questions like that will help employees or leaders see what type of social awareness skills are you are you demonstrating 
So we're all human. We all experience a wide range of emotions, but let's dive into emotional intelligence and like behaviors, how this affects people's performance overall. What are the positive and negative aspects of emotional intelligence? Or I I guess I'll say emotions in the workplace and, and maybe losing control or using them productively. You know, what does that look like? Yes, you're absolutely correct, correct uh, Jocelyn, when you talked about we have a wide range of emotions because we are emotional creatures and we communicate our emotions constantly, whether we mean to or not. Emotions, they show up in our body language. They show up in our word choice, our tone of voice, even our actions. It's just a part of who we are. So sometimes organizations say, you know, we need to leave our emotions at the door or check it at the door. That's a tall request for employees because it's nearly impossible to ask someone not to bring your emotions to work. Emotional labor and emotional work, they both have negative aspects to them, which includes feeling stress at work, feeling frustration, or even exhaustion. And that leads to burnout. There there are negative consequences that can result in low morale, absenteeism, high turnover, Just overall, the quality of your product or service might even suffer because of that. But employees who experience positive emotions, they're shown to have higher job satisfaction and higher morale, greater job performance, and even greater commitment to the organization. They want to stay rather than leave organizations. So there are some positive ways that your emotion can affect you overall, like in the workplace, because it's good to be connected to those things and make heartful decisions, you know, when the scenario presents itself correctly. So what are the things that prevent that from being an actuality? Like what are the things that can hijack an emotional, like emotional intelligence in an individual or in a team? Like how, what, what do we do in those scenarios? (laughs) Yes, you're right, Jocelyn. There are some things that can, and it's like, like the word you use hijack, because what you're referring to is the amygdala hijack. That's what it is. It's the amygdala hijack. The amygdala is in the middle part of our brain and it's responsible for responding quickly to a threat, whether that threat is real or not. And it's often personal. It's the emotional response. It's immediate and it's overwhelming and can be totally out of proportion with the actual situation because it's triggered a significant emotional threat. So in other words, it's when someone loses it. We've had a situation and we lose it or seriously overreact to something someone says or someone does. We sometimes say, they just lost their mind. Did you see what Jocelyn just said, what she just did? She just lost her mind. Well, that's actually what happens. We've actually lost the ability to manage our reactions to what triggered us. These days, Most of us are encountering so many situations that we've never had to even think about from the overall pandemic, wearing masks versus no mask, the rise in food and gas prices, violence in the schools and workplaces. There are so many pressures and stresses of life, work and relationship. There's anger, there's aggression, anxiety, fear. These are all emotional triggers. So when we are faced with any of these situations, They're considered threats. And unless we disrupt this hijack and use our self-management skills, we may be unable to think clearly during the hijack. 
So yes, there are some positive things, but a lot of things when we're talking about emotional intelligence, we are referring to those things that sometimes we can't control or we, we don't manage them effectively. And a very recent example of this is the now infamous slap. Yeah, everybody is talking about it. Even this past I, I'm not familiar. No. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> we don't talk about Jada. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I love you. <laughs> yes, yes. <clears throat> and, 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 and you're right. Everybody's talking about it now. Even this past Monday, I was listening to Dr. Phil. He had a panel of experts on the show examining Smith's facial expression his body language, his word choice, and more importantly, the action he took. But the consequences of his action, it really is now far greater than what we or probably he could ever have imagined. Wouldn't it be great, though, if, if we could just identify our triggers ahead of time? You know, most of the time, we don't even realize what we've done until it's, it's too late. But, now, but let's go to the workplace, though. You know, for an example, you may be talking to a team member and they appear not to be listening to you, or they ignore what you're saying, or maybe talk over you, or there may be a coworker who keeps talking to you while you're trying to concentrate on work. That could be a trigger. And then the amygdala can take over. And now your brain has been hijacked and you snap. You start shouting at them, or you say a few choice, colorful words that you may later regret. Yeah, those are some of the things that can happen when we when we are hijacked, you know. But there there are some ways that we can we can cope with the amygdala hijack. You know, if you're interested in hearing some of those, I'd be happy to share with you. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, a couple of things uh, you can do is first name the emotion. You know, if you whatever you're feeling, whether it's sadness or anger or whatever, just say I'm I'm sad. I'm mad. This is not the right time, and it could be enough to make this feeling less intense, and then bring your brain back to a, rela- to a rational mindset. Or you can do that six-second rule. Six-second means to delay, to delay any kind of response for about six seconds to prevent the amygdala from taking control and causing that emotional reaction. Next, to breathe. Just Take a moment and breathe. Breathing can be powerful. It can be a powerful tool when there's a heightened situation. And taking control of breathing in stressful situations can allow thoughtful decisions, which are not driven by our emotions. And then you could get up, change the setting, move around, you know, see things from a rational perspective. Or you can also share something with a trusted friend or colleague. You know, when you're feeling a lot of emotions, sharing these feelings with a trusted person can perhaps help our amygdala feel less threatened. And it can encourage, once again, the use of the thinking part of our brain, because that's what happens. We stop thinking and we start acting or reacting, if you will. Right. Okay. That's what the heart tells us to do, right? It like yes. it, Again, the hijack words coming again, it really just overtakes everything because that's where you feel that, right? That's you don't we feel, feel it. the brain yes. so much. It's like it's there. It's pretty much telling my heart what to do, like whatever right. science, but <laughs> the heart is what tells us what to do. Yes. Very, very right. interesting. Right. Very, very interesting. I like that you put science to it. I think that resonates with me mm-hmm. a lot because it's not just kind of theory at that point. 
what yes. we're doing and kind of like, well, imagine this and how you feel in this direction. Yes, right. that's all relatable content and necessary for kind of making those connections. But if you understand that literally there's a part of your brain that will create this menace for you if you don't just kind of like take a step back and breathe it all in yes. and realize what's actually going on. I, I love making those connections and kind of bringing it back to something that's home and makes sense. So yeah. You, for that theme, I'm like, I have to hire you to drive with my <laughs> husband every day. <laughs> oh my and he goodness! He is EI coach. Right. Does. That's no. that's his biggest problem. He yes. gets like road rage sometimes. Oh my goodness! You know, you know, sometimes I tell people that sometimes in some of my training sessions I talk about it and I so I so like as you mentioned too, Jocelyn, about something that's relatable. And I ask people, I say, imagine you're in traffic. You're going, you're going somewhere, you need to get there at a certain time, and you're in traffic, and the next thing you know, someone has cut you off. They've cut you off in the middle of traffic, and now, as you're, as you're, you're encountering this, you're hoping that they're looking through their rearview mirror because you are so animated. You are get your your head rolling and you're saying all these words and you're pointing that finger, not this finger, but you're pointing a finger at them, right? And let them know how how it, how frustrated you are. And you're saying all kinds of words to them. That means that okay, my amygdala has taken over and I'm I've lost control. But then you know, there, there's a person called Kahneman. Kahneman, he, he wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. And that's our fast brain that's thinking there. That's that amygdala. But then he also talked about that system two thinking. That's that slow, rational part of our brain, where if we're in traffic and someone cuts us off, and then we happen to look in the back seat and realize that we've got some little people in the back seat, and we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> We turn around, we look at them and say, now, don't you ever say that. Right. Just kidding. I was just joking. Yes. That's what, that's great. Now we, so we do have the ability. We have the ability to self-manage. But you're right. It's that extra second that you take to be like, what's actually going on here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now we'll teach you that when you're older. Right. I love it. Just kidding. Well, my daughter's 16 years old right now, and she is in the process of getting her permit. So I always say to my husband, this is really not a great example. Uh Dial it in, friend. Exactly. Right. You may have to have some cue cards, Maria. We got to start with that for sure. That he needs to be absolutely. listening to Mercy Me on the way in, too, right? <laughs> no, I think that's, that's what sets him off more than yeah. anything. Right. So, oh, God, I hate It's at the point where I hate driving with him. Oh, so, wow. Yes. We need to give him an emotionally intelligent IQ test. Yeah. That's it. They're okay. Certainly. That's right. true. That's right. true. Um, they are out right. there. Yeah. They are out there. They See, I'm super there. curious See? about that because yes. I'm wondering, like, I, I often think too that maybe a lot of people feel as though they are emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. because they have friends and family members that yes. they get along with, right? Because isn't it natural to think that? But yes. realistically, I think emotional intelligence is all scenario based and what mm-hmm. you do with the particular situation that you're in. So I'm very curious of like what yes. my actual EQ is. Mm-hmm. So like, are there assessments? Like, what do you recommend? I yes. want to take one. Yes. Sure. And you, you, you mentioned EQ. And for those who are not familiar with EQ is emotional quotient. That's what it means. And that is the assessment and it can be done separately. It, it can be, they're free. There are a lot of those that are free on the market right now. So I'd encourage anyone just to take any of those online and they're not, they don't take very long to do, but I'd probably recommend the emotional quotient inventory 2.0. This one is based on the book 
by the same name by Dr. T. Bradbury. It's called Emotional Quotient Inventory 2.0. It's a skill-based assessment. And I like it because it's based on the four emotional intelligent, intelligent components that I shared with you earlier. It was developed from 20 years of global research, and it was the first scientifically validated assessment. And now the emotional quotient inventory 2.0 is the most extensively used emotional intelligent assessment in the world. Wow. So that one, yeah, I would highly recommend. They really need to do this teaching and training at our kids' schools. Yes. You know, if they yeah, got right. this yes. training when they were younger, I agree. And mm-hmm, refreshment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I, it's. I think it's just as important as as any other skill or knowledge that is, is being taught in school, right? I think that over recent years we've come to realize that there maybe are some shifts that need to be made based on like what's completely missing in like yes. the adult world of living versus what we never use. Yeah, <laughs> from the like the children's style of learning that we got, sure. right? And I I agree with you, Maria. I think that emotional intelligence is definitely one of those things, and I I mean. Please teach me how to do my taxes. <laughs> oh, don't talk about that. Right? I, know. I, know. I, know. I, I actually don't want to go there either, I but know. just, you know, dropping a little <laughs> little chunk there for you. It, you it really you. is crazy because, you know, my daughter knows at this point in her life that she has no desire to go into the medical field and looking at her biology class mm-hmm. and having to uh-huh. sit there and memorize all these terms that she'll right. never use again. Yeah. And, yeah. and thinking of all the importance of developing your emotional intelligence skills mm-hmm. and how that affects every single mm-hmm. thing you will be doing. Every, you're right. Everywhere Everything. you go. Yep. It's with mm-hmm. you everywhere you can, no matter, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're waking, when you get up in the morning or whenever time you get up, whether it's drinking coffee, water, or, you know, cold caffeine, beverage, taking a walk during laundry, mm-hmm. whatever it is, EI is with you. Mm-hmm. You see, we have to be intentional about practicing our EI skills on a daily basis with family, friends, coworkers, wherever we go. You're right. And it's about being intentional and practicing them all the time. So I'm in agreement. I'm in total, total agreement that if it could be taught earlier in, in grade school, I think we'll have a lot less of people emoting in those negative ways. Mm-hmm. They just have no yes. self-realization. Yes, exactly. So Mm -hmm. if they could start young and start realizing, okay, this is, these are the skills that I need to develop. Exactly. And it would be much better off than having to change somebody when they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s and later. Right. And gives them a confidence to navigate in a certain way too, so that they can manage those expectations for themselves, right? And where they want to go in the future when they're hearing those no's and whatever it is that they're attempting to tackle. Yeah, it's the most multifaceted skill that you can, and characteristic, I'll call it, that you can have. Mm -hmm. I believe Mm -hmm. that. I call them requisite skills. It's like, it's something that you need, you know, before you Mm -hmm. manage anything else, because, you know, you, 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 you manage things, you know, but you, Mm -hmm. you direct, you train, you develop people, you know, you inspire people. And this is what this is about. It's about, not about the, the technical aspect of work and, 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 and whatever, but it's about people. So we can manage those things and manage ourselves first. That's the mm-hmm. first foundation. Manage ourselves and know what those our triggers are. I think it can help a long way. 
So we talked about some of the negative consequences. Mm -hmm. So when you are working with companies, are there any examples that you could share about what happens when you have a leader that has low emotional intelligence? That's a good question, Maria. When, when we're in a company, you know, it doesn't matter the size. Leaders can fall into several traps. One of them is that they get so busy that they ignore the cues of employees' dissatisfaction. There are times when, when leaders are more reactive than proactive regarding certain situations. And sometimes they allow conflicts to go unresolved because they are so overwhelmed themselves. So when things start to unravel from within the company, employees may feel that their emotional bank account, if you will, is empty. So they disengage and they do as little as possible to make it through the day. They become so dissatisfied and discouraged that it leads to more mistakes and even higher costs for the company. So an example of this actually was when Apple outlined its 2021 return to office plans. They said that employees would be expected to return to to the office for the majority of the work week rather than work remotely, as they've been doing for some time. And employees, they didn't embrace this this. And they clearly stated in a letter, they wrote a letter to the CEO that they felt not just unheard, but at times actively ignored. Now, there's probably a lot more to the story that I'm sharing here, but the way this decision was handed down and the way it was handled seemed to be a lack of empathy. And the resulting impact employee backlash, it made the headlines. It's where I got the information from, and it likely cost the company a number of valuable employees. Yeah, so, so what happened here in short is Apple displayed a lack of emotional intelligence. So the, the consequences can be great, and it can result in lower employee engagement, high turnover rate, miscommunication, misunderstanding, even conflict, time wasted, and in general, inefficiency. Because when employees feel under, undervalued or if they feel their contributions don't matter, these feelings impact morale. So guess what happens? They start to brush up their resumes. They start planning their escape. You know, they begin to seek organizations that is intentional about practicing EI on a daily basis. So yeah, there, there are a lot of consequences. That's an interesting example to mm-hmm. yeah. share with us today yes. because you do see that happening <laughs> you all do. over the place now all with the organizations <laughs> saying we want everybody back full time. And- right. right. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting because I've always liked to have everybody in the office. Um, well, I guess, you know, before the pandemic, because I felt like it was just so important for teamwork and collaboration, but I've learned so much over the years that, I mean, I think it's, I love having the best of both worlds and how we operate now is we let the employee choose on what they want to do. So we have some employees that come in every day. We have some that come in one day a week. And Mm -hmm. we certainly have a lot of employees that don't even, you know, live in state. So they're never coming into the office, but I think you really get a lot more from your employees when you can respect and understand their situation. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. And that's why mm-hmm. I think Apple ran into that, that situation. They didn't really understand their employees' situation. 
and everybody has a different situation. Yeah. Yes. So we learned mm-hmm. a lot through these last three years, you know, given that we were out, we were not face-to-face in the workplace. We were working remotely and people now become comfortable with that. And now they've rearranged their lives. So we've got to listen to that and see, you know, what we can we do to work within those parameters. Right. Yes. I can attest to what Maria was saying about allowing employees to kind of manage their own expectations of schedule in that regard, because when it comes down to it, like I have a toddler, I have a Mm three-year-old and they're busy and I'm trying to get him active in a lot of stuff and they're also gross. So they get sick all the time and they have doctor's appointments like crazy and all this kind of stuff. And when it comes down to it, like if I'm able to work from home, pop out for a doctor's appointment or whatever it is like this, I can make that switch anytime I need to. And so I'm just speaking not only to Maria, like, thank you for that. I say it all the time and I adore you for it because I saw like how the adjustments were being made as things continued to stay on track. So like, Mm -hmm. I just appreciate you so much for that, but also to other organizations that like you put that trust in your employees and they will give it right on back to you. Like I promise you, they will give it right on back out of sheer appreciation Mm -hmm. and wanting to maintain that expectation for themselves. So that's my little two cents on the matter for everyone listening. (laughs) But to wrap things up, since we talked about so many wonderful things, we've talked about strategy, we've talked about the neuroscience of it, we've talked about what it actually means to be emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. So what about those people who are really taking their first steps to kind of thinking about this in their organization? What are some tips and tricks that you can give somebody listening to say, here's how you can get started Mm -hmm. today on thinking about this a little bit more intentionally. Yes, thank you, John Jocelyn. There, there are a few things that people can do. First, the good news is that EI can be learned. This is something we can be learned. And there are things that we have to be intentional about. So I can recommend, let's say five things for your listeners to do to practice communicating in an emotionally intelligent way. First, acknowledge, acknowledge your feelings, but also acknowledge other person's feelings. So the next time you notice someone expressing a strong emotion, Ask them about it. Then listen intently and summarize what you heard from them. This way you're validating their emotions and you're demonstrating empathy and helping them feel understood. Second, you can take notice of your thoughts and emotions. This means you need to slow down, take in all that's in front of you so that you can understand how your emotions influence your behavior. And don't hold grudges. Holding on to grudge means you are holding on to stress. And emotional intelligent people know how to avoid this at all costs because they know how to slow themselves down. They use their self-management skills to do so. Get some sleep. Sleep. It is very important. Get an adequate amount of sleep because your self-control, your attention, and memory are all reduced when you don't get enough sleep which is often the one thing that keeps you from getting things out of control. And then when you care, show you care. When you appreciate something that someone else has has done, let them know about it. Don't wait later, tell other people about it. Tell them specifically, because your praise will build some fierce loyalty, loyalty, and it will inspire your people to work even harder. So, and the last thing I'd say is humility. Humility can be a wonderful quality. It doesn't mean that you are shy or, left or lack self-confidence. 
when you practice humility, you can be quietly confident about it and you give others a chance to shine. You put focus on them and don't worry too much about getting praise for yourself. So all these things, for me, it wraps up to leading by example, that positive example. Yes. Excellent. A little nutshell nugget, lead by example. I love that. Excellent examples. Mm -hmm. Themum, you are so wonderful. And to continue on this wonderfulness, we're going to now break into our TTA 10 segment. It's the TTA 10, 10 final questions for our guest. All right, theme. So we broke this down for you a little bit earlier, but we have a new segment for season two of our Bring Out the Talent podcast. It is the TTA 10. So I'm going to take 10 random questions that I have aligned here for you. They're fun. They're playful. Nothing to put you too badly on the spot. We're going to have 90 seconds to get through all of them. And hopefully we get the uh, questions answered in the 90 seconds, because if we do, we will have a celebration. If we do not... There might be a wonky sound effects that, um, you know, showcases <laughs> that we did not make it in time. But we'll be gentle about it. We want Please. you to feel encouraged to come back better and stronger next time. So Absolutely. Um, uh, at this point, Themum, are you ready to take it away? I am ready. All right, David, give me a thumbs up when the clock has started. All right. Which of the seven dwarves do you most relate to? Sleepy. What is 19 minus 6? 13. What was your favorite subject in school? English. Who would you cast to play you in a movie about your life? Viola Davis. Oh, girl, yes. What is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh, ooh. That's a good one. Um, Oh, what's the Bruno Mars song? I can't think of it. That's the Bruno Mars song. Uptown Funk? Yes, yes, that's the one. Uptown Funk. Oh, yes, I love it even more. If you could learn a brand new skill today, what would it be? How to relax. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Oh, Hawaii. Hawaii. If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Any seafood. Any seafood. Any seafood. Well, if you're on a deserted island, you should be all set. What's your yes. favorite reality TV show? <laughs> oh my goodness, Emma, you're gonna you're gonna make me say this. I <laughs> any, am. Any of the Real Housewives? Yes, you're amongst your people here. Which zoo animal <laughs> would you most like to have as a pet? Pet. Oh my goodness, what the, the koala bear? They're just so cuddly. Yes, it's just something. Just uh, yeah, koala bear. <laughs> I dig it. All right, there we go. We made it through the ten, David. What's our final time? Well, as you know, the challenge for Themum was to make it in 90 seconds or less. Themum completed the TTA 10 in 89 seconds with one second to spare. That's right. That's right. So you are a TTA 10 champion. You may shelter. You may shout. There's more. Hold on. You may you may shout this news from the rooftops. Amaze your friends and include it on your resume. Now that you have achieved this coveted honor, you'll be you will be respected and loved by captains of industry, heads of state, and TikTok influencers. For some reason, the sun will shine brighter for you. Food will taste better, and life will have new meaning. Congratulations, Simum. You are a TTA 10 champion. I love it. 
I love that, David. Oh, hold on, there's more. Oh, wow. <laughs> that killed me. That was so funny. Yes. I love it. Well, well, thank you, you are the so greatest. much. We could see why oh, our clients love you so much. Oh, oh, seriously. It's the pleasure. It really is a pleasure. I enjoy being here today and talking about a subject that I really enjoy yes. and passionate about. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you what? so much. For more information on emotional intelligence, or if you are interested in bringing FEMUM to your organization, visit us at thetrainingassociates.com. We'll see you later.